This is Reset and can be found at mccabe.io. I'll be talking about anything that plugs in or takes batteries, mostly home automation, networking, home storage, and I'll be bringing some friends along. Reset was inspired by a bent paperclip that's sat on my desk for years. It reminds me that no matter how much we mess something up, there's usually a reset button. Let's get started. Welcome back to Reset, everybody. I'm your host, David McKay. Today we're going to be talking about Surface Laptop. Remote desktop software, i got a couple to discuss with you. One item on smart things I'd like to run by you. Treasure truck. Have you ever heard of the treasure truck? I'll explain that one in a little bit. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about uh, mining. I'm going to add, this is like my mining update. It's at the end of the show. That way, if you don't want to hear about it, you don't have to. But you need to listen to this week because I'm going to be talking about like my thoughts on these video card prices, inventory, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm what I'm running, what I'm holding, buying, everything. So this one might be one you want to listen to. And I'll go over all of my... I don't want to call them exploits, but I've been learning a lot and I'm making a lot of mistakes. And I'm not telling anybody about it. I've just kind of... I make my mistakes and then I, we move on, right? That's how, that's how you learn. That's how you build computers. Do you want to support this podcast? If you do, you can go to Patreon and be a Patreon. So go to, let's see, patreon.com slash David McCabe. You can sign up, subscribe for as little as $1 a month, and I'll send you one of those famous reset stickers. And I'm also going to be doing a giveaway. Now, I'm kind of behind in my everything, okay? But I do have a giveaway for current Patreon subscribers. And I'm going to try to do this more and more. So I've gathered up some CES swag. Just, just, I mean, you can call it junk, yes. But it's kind of fun. And you know what? If if you win, it's free. You don't have to, you, you're not paying for it. You can toss it in the trash if you want to. Some of it's actually kind of cool. There's a post in the Home Server Show forums I've got uh, about that. And I'll be giving that away soon. Also, if you don't want to do Patreon, you can support me and this show and the Reset Forums. I call it homeservershow.com forums. Yes, that's the URL. But the Reset Forums. You can do that as easily by going to reset.fm slash coin. Now, you don't have to be mining. You don't have to be a cryptocurrency whatever. You can just go sign up and you'll get a bonus of some like initial coin, and then I'll get a bonus of some initial coin as well. It's JSE coin. You mine it in your browser, and it's mint. Well, I don't know if this is going to survive, guys. I don't know if this uh, this idea is going to make it, but you mine in your browser, and it's meant for website owners to put it on their websites and mine on people who visit in. See, that's the problem. It's kind of intrusive, although this one's not intrusive. But you can mine on your own browser just by going to the JSE Coin website. You don't have to mine for someone else, right? You can do do it yourself. Now, it's not monetized yet, right? It, it doesn't exist as a monetary instrument. It's just a philosophy and like pre-rollout. It's like beta. It's probably even alpha. 
And as, but as soon as it gets monetized, when it's on the market, then you'll have some coin. You'll be instant cryptocurrency, I don't know what you call them. But hey, it helps me. So it doesn't even add value to me yet. But if it were to come true, then that bonus would, hey, that would help the show out just by signing up for an account. You don't even have to mine it. Reset.fm slash coin. Lastly, if you want to help the show and you're thinking about a new phone contract, consider Project Fi. I've got a lot of posts in the Reset forums about Project Fi. You can go out to reset.fm slash Project Fi and sign up. I got a post in the forums, actually. They've got their Moto, Motorola X4 is a Fi phone, and it's on sale, and it's just unbelievably cheap, and Project Fi is really cool. So let's go do that. All right, I said at the top of the show that I'm going to start with Surface Laptop. Now, I need to give you a story. I bought a MacBook Pro. Let's see, this will be my second, third MacBook. And I bought that, let's see, November 2015-ish or something. It's been, it's been almost like a year and a half, right? So I've, I enjoy the MacBook. I use a Mac on my desk to do audio and video, right? So I thought maybe I'll extend that to the kitchen table where I kind of sit in the morning, have coffee, use the MacBook, and I did, and I, li- I liked it. But you guys, if you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that I try to take advantage of the market. I watch things, and when prices start to you know trend downwards, when value starts to trend downwards on a certain product that I hold, I try to think, okay, is, where's my next move? What am I? Where am I going next? So I've always coveted Surface Laptop. There's an episode a couple, I don't know, a couple a couple of shows back where, you know, I gave it my full approval. I had enough time with it to play with it. I know it's some of the units have suffered from slow SSDs. I think the lower processor units in the lower size SSDs have some read write speeds that are slower than normal. And the Core i7 units are 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 better, a little faster. I know it has suffered that issue. But I still it still couldn't deter me deter me from wanting one of these. I've gone through I've gone through a myriad of uh, Surface devices, uh, RT, Surface Two, let's see, uh, Surface Pro of course, Pro Two, Pro Two which I held for a very long time, Pro Three, held that for a while. I've I missed Pro Four. I never went to Surface Pro Four. I went from Pro 3 to Surface Book, sold the book, and then went to MacBook, and then now I'm on Surface Laptop. So I got it in, I think it was last week, and I've had enough time to play with it and to work with it, and let's just talk about that. I'll talk about my experience real quick. I won't, we won't belager this point. It's a, you know, it's a laptop, big deal, right? But I'd like to talk about it because I... I'm still undecided on Surface Laptop. I thought I would be over the moon. I literally thought this is this is going to be my device. Now, why did I pick that over Surface Book 2? Because I almost went Surface Book 2. 
at today's pricing, book two was actually going to be $100 cheaper. So I did, I ran the math, and we're talking about the 13-inch device. I didn't, I didn't go 15, which I have said in a past podcast, the next time I purchase a unit like this, I'm going with exactly what I want. And I never do that. I always choose to save money. Exactly what I want would be a 15-inch, it would be a 15-inch Surface laptop, really, Core i7, like a 512 gig SSD, maybe 16 gigs of RAM. That's my, this is the device I want device, right? But I didn't. I went with laptop, i5, 8 gigs of RAM, 256 SSD. So I stepped up there. I will never buy a 4 gig, either pro or laptop or book. I don't, I don't even think those devices should exist, so I went with the 8 gig and 256. 128 just becomes a little too cramped. It works for a little while, but you really have to stay on top of what you're doing in 256. It's just, it's, it's so much better, especially when you're crunching video and doing things like that. So I went with laptop full well knowing it didn't have the ports that Book 2 does. I mean, Book 2's got an SD card slot and it's got... Definitely more ports than laptop. Laptop has a USB port and I think a PowerPoint. It's got the uh, display port as well. So not much. So I do have to live the dongle life if I do want to attach an SD card or a micro SD card. You're, you're in the dongle life. Charging is the surface charging connector, right? It's a little magnetic barrel that clicks in. It's not anything special, which... It, it's not on uh, the MacBook I was on either. It was MagSafe connector. It wasn't USB-C. I went with laptop because I think that suits me better. When I started Surface Book, I was not using... I, when I first started, I used the detachable screen. I did. I took it to the couch. I played with the pen. I consumed while we watched you know, TV or something. But then it just became a laptop. A thick laptop, a thick laptop with a bulge on the end where it did not close completely, right? The Surface Book uh, hinge. So I didn't use it to its full potential. I probably lost the pen, and I'm not going to buy a pen for this laptop. I love that it has the touchscreen, which I did miss with the MacBook. I think everybody around me missed it more because everybody would touch my screen and say, oh, it's not a touchscreen. Right, and then I have to wipe off their smudges. So that's frustrating. <laughs> the crazy problems. Um, I said I'm not over the moon about this device. I'm not over the moon about it. I love it. It's working great. I'm very nitpicky. I am so nitpicky, and I th- I think that I'm more nitpicky with Microsoft than I am with any other company, right? Windows 10. Windows 10 drives me bananas. I love Windows 10. I'm a Windows 10, I'm a Windows MVP, Insider MVP, and I use it every day. I test it every day, but it still drives me crazy, especially Edge browser and all of its nagging 
to use it and Microsoft's website nags you to use it. If you, anything, everything nags you to use Edge and I just do not want to use that browser. I'm sorry. I do not want to use it. I thought I would be equally ecstatic about the touchpad on the laptop. And if I'm comparing and being nitpicky with the touchpad on the Surface laptop against the 2015 MacBook Pro that I had, the MacBook Pro still blows it away. Now, everybody will will tell you these days, oh, they're practically the same. They're practically the same. And I'm telling you, they're not. They still haven't caught up. They're so much better. Trust me. I, I get it. They're, they're not the little one-inch square or the little J-mouse that you used on the old IBMs and the Lenovo's. It's, it's, it's so much better. The MacBook line of touchpads is still head and shoulders above the rest. The force touch feedback mechanism that Apple employs sounds hokey. It's weird at first. It's odd that it does not click when the device is off. But when you put it to use in practicality, it is head and shoulders above what is on that Surface laptop. Now that's just, again... I'm nitpicky, my opinion, your mileage may vary, right? All those out there. You can discuss this with me in the Surface Forums, Surface Forums, in the Reset Forums. We can discuss this. I am open to discussion. But I'm telling you, I don't like the very loud and audible click, right? I don't like that. And the MacBook gives you that forced touch feedback of the, of the click or the right click. Now, yes, I do employ the tap. I, ena- I like that enabled. Some people disable it. They don't like it. They want to push and click. I don't like the physical click. I do the tap. One tap, double tap. I do do that. But I like the little right click function. And I want that to not be such a forced click. I want that forced feedback mechanism that clicks. I like that. Where Surface Laptop, it, this is, again, nitpicky, but I like the ability to lift the Surface Laptop lid and not have the base fling backwards. Apple says they can do it. I don't. Maybe they can do it on the newer devices. The 2015 Mac, MacBook Pro, no, they couldn't do it. It would tip back. I love that I can do that. The Surface, I'm just going to say Windows 10. The login features, so much better with Face ID and doing a pin login with Windows 10. I love that. I can set up with glasses, without glasses. It recognizes me. Now, one thing that, again, nitpicky, If it's been overnight, I go pick the laptop up, I open the lid, and it's it's not dead, but it's sleeping, right? It's dormant. It is out for the count. I like to whack the space bar and have the thing come alive. I I do. 
whop, I'd like, I like it to just turn up, turn on, let's go. The MacBook does that in an instant. And you log in with the password, not with your face. Surface laptop, if it's been, I still need to play with the settings, but if it's been over X amount of time, it goes to sleep. And you ha- I have to hit the power button to wake it up. And then it slowly wakes up. So that drives me crazy. And then sometimes when it comes out of that sleep, it doesn't want to use the face. It says it'll use your face, but you have to do a click and click on the pin pad or the password and put it in. And that drives me bonkers. Just open. Just look at my face. Open up. Uh, that has to happen. And some of that is on me to get more familiar with the device and Windows 10 on the device. I haven't had it long enough to really get comfortable with it. So take that with a grain of salt. Size and weight, it's fantastic. I got the burgundy, and you just can't beat it. I love the size and the weight. So much lighter than that old MacBook that I used to carry around. But I bought it from the online store. I had a $50 gift card that was given to me by everybody that came to Meetup 17. So thank you, everybody listening who donated to that. That went into my laptop purchase. Also, online, and I'm sure they do it in the store too, there was a uh, 10% discount for veterans. So that is cool. And that's a lot of money. So thank you, Microsoft, for recognizing a veteran and giving those the discounts there. That's truly appreciated. And that swayed my purchase somewhat. I do really appreciate that. So Surface Laptop, I will let you know next week and we'll let you know how I'm getting along with it. I try, we'll try not to be a dead horse, you know, about this, but I'm enjoying it so far. I, I cannot, I can't say that I, I'm having a horrible experience, so, because I am enjoying it. Okay, now I want to talk to you about an application that I've started using much more of, and that's Team Viewer, team viewer and Splash Top. So I want to compare that with you with Remote Desktop. I do use, I used to use explicitly Remote Desktop, RDP. When I went to CES this past January, I needed to get back into this Mac that is sitting on my desk. I wanted to be able to have access to that. And I couldn't do it with Microsoft's remote desktop protocol, so I used TeamViewer. Now, having said that, I have in the past been a big Splashtop user. I paid for it at one point. I used the free version mostly. But I I went with TeamViewer because I heard that, hey, it's pretty cool. It works good. And it did. It worked really well. Sometimes it struggled getting back into the network when I had a horrible connection, which I did at at some points, you know, some of the hotel networks just get congested and there's nothing you, you can do about it. And I tried to use uh, encrypt.me most of the time when I did that. So most of the time I had an easier time using the phone over, you know, Project Fi's network 
getting back into the home network and checking out machines if I, you know, if I needed to do something. And yes, this is kind of spurred from this mining craze that I got into with needing to be physical into the machine and making changes if I, you know, if I see fit. So I used TeamViewer for that. Now I talked about nagging earlier and let me tell you, TeamViewer is the biggest nag ever. So it's on the free version, right? If you use a free version, they thank you for being honest. And then you have to click OK boxes. When you disconnect from a from a remote box, they pop a box on it. And it's sitting there until you dismiss it. It says, thank you for using TeamViewer and playing by the rules. And it literally says this. That nagging got so bad that I thought I need to look elsewhere. Or maybe I need to purchase TeamViewer. I'll pay a few dollars for a good remote access product, right? I would even be, you know, I would entertain paying decent amount of money for five to ten machines that I need to remote access into. So I go to TeamViewer, look up the pricing. Single user, $49. Oh, that's not bad at all. I can do that. Let me look at the details, make sure I know how many boxes this is good on. You know, maybe this is just one box. Well, I didn't even get that far. This is priced per month, billed annually. You can't even buy one month. It's 49 bucks times 12 for a single user. And come to find out, that is permits con- connections from up to three devices, right? So that's not too bad. But that's 49 bucks times 12. I don't, I'm not even going to do the math. It's just so horrendous. Don't, don't even do the math. Don't even look at it. So TeamViewer, you're missing out on revenue. I'm telling you right now, by not having an enthusiast home product, you're missing out on revenue. Because I immediately, immediately, TeamViewer, went to Splashtop.com. Splashtop.com. So you can use the free personal edition. That's up to five devices. If you want to use over the internet, you have to pay an additional, and I think that's $16.99 a year. So if you want to connect over the internet, you have to pay some money, but that's fine. That's the Anywhere Access Pack. It's an in-app purchase. Now, I believe some of their apps do cost money. I think either I can't remember which one it is, if it's iPad or Android or something. Some some of the apps cost money. So I started looking at, okay, what's the business product? So this is not going to work, right? There's no way. If TeamViewer is that much money, it is not going to work at all, right? It's going to be too expensive. Nope. Splashtop is $60 per year per user. That is is up to 10 computers. So I can use 10 devices at home and connect to them, you know, wherever, whenever, for 60 bucks a year. So if you look at, let's say, what it was at, $17.90, $16.99 for the Anywhere Access, plus let's say you have to buy an app for $10 to $15, you're getting close to that 60 bucks. And for the $60 a year, includes the iPhone and the iPad app 
that would cost money. So you're almost there. And you get 10 devices. And I'm up to like, I think six. I could probably get down to five. But, uh, you know, six. So that right there had me downloading the Splashtop business app. And for the most part, I like it. It's much cleaner looking. The Team Viewer app is a hot mess of garbage on my screen. I cannot be any meaner to this app. It is absolutely the ugliest thing I have ever seen. I'm sorry, Team Viewer. It is horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And the other, the last straw with Team Viewer. Of course, they're nagging me, right? And they started nagging me saying, we think you're a commercial entity. You need to call us. And that's an extra box I have to click. Well, I don't know if I'm a commercial entity or not. I'm connecting to home PCs. Although I own a business, these are home PCs, right? Okay. I mean, you could argue either way. But, so they check with TeamViewer, their little app checks on your PC if you have up-to-date antivirus. And it, it checks some other things if you have updates or whatnot. And it'll flag it. I accidentally clicked on something on my main box, my main server in my server room. I accidentally clicked on something related to antivirus on TeamViewer, and I don't know what it was. I think it was the definitions were out of date. And what it did was installed TeamViewer's own antivirus solution. It installed it, it rebooted that PC, and it ran the antivirus solution. I was freaking livid. I cannot tell you how livid I was at this app. And my immediate reaction is to remove it and tell everyone how much I hate TeamViewer. This is strong language coming from me because I generally don't hate anything besides Patriots. But I don't hate the Patriots. I'm just kidding. I just do dislike them greatly. Um, team viewer. I'm trying to get back on track. Um, so it's coming out now. Granted, I it's still installed while I get this splash top up and running. Now, Dave, why are you not using remote desktop? Well, some of these machines I have down there don't have usernames and sign-ins. And if you have you want to use remote desktop, it says, "Hey." You have to have a password and a sign-on in your order to use remote desktop. So that's out of the out of the whatever. And I like using it on the phone. It seems to be friendlier with TeamViewer. I like the way it works on the phone. It's fast. It's a little better than Splashtop. However, it's not as convoluted and ugly as Splashtop is. I mean TeamViewer. TeamViewer is just it's It's the most horrible app I've ever seen on my PC screen. I like using it from the Mac. Mac connect to PC, PC connect to Mac, whatever, laptop, phone, iPad, Android, iOS, it doesn't matter. It all works pretty cool. So I will be subscribing to Splashtop after this uh, nice review of 
team viewer. Now, so I'm asking you guys, feedback to me. Let's talk in the forums. What do you use? And, and you know, I, I have a lot of enterprise guys that listen to the show and, you know, do home storage at home. And that's how we met. And you guys probably have like super secret stealthy apps that cost thousands of dollars. And But I'm using little old splash top. So tell me what you use. Tell me if I'm right or wrong on this team viewer thing. I don't know. What What's your choice? Let's talk about it. Okay, I said we were going to talk a little bit about smart things. So I purchased, I, this is probably two months ago, I told you about this. I purchased the Connected Alarm product for smart things. Now, this is a very unique product, and it struck me instantly, and I can't believe somebody didn't send this to me. I, I got in on it very late. Now, I say late because this is a Kickstarter campaign, and I got, on, I got in kind of late. I was trying to find some time to talk with uh, the founder, and I, we chatted a little bit, and I, I would like to get him on the podcast, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little more in depth. But the connected alarm panel is going to be your security panel for smart things. If you had one of those old school security alarms in your home. So you can use all of those magnetic sensors that are connected to your windows and doors and glass break sensors and uh, motion sensors. You can use all of those now with your smart things. That both excites me. And scares the hell out of me. <laughs> because I've had a love-hate relationship with sensors and smart things. So my first thought. So you hook this up. And you literally have to take out all of those sensors out of your alarm panel. And wire them into your smart things panel. That means you instantly have to have a way to arm and disarm your system with your family. So as it stands at Reset Headquarters, we do not pay for monitoring for our old system. However, we do arm the system. So if we arm it, then at night, if some bad person opens a window, then it'll go off, right? So that's kind of our last resort safety net. We'll at least know somebody's coming in to get us, right? The problem is, is when we leave the house, we don't, we don't use the alarm. We don't have a method in which to use this alarm system. We never know if it's going off or not, right? When you're away from the house, you just don't know. So I'm hoping I will use this connected product. I hope I will use it. I don't know if I'm going to use it because when you do pull those sensors away, you can't use that old system anymore. I literally have to power it off. So that means I have to get the CFO on board with smart things and using that. So currently, all, all the family does today is talk to ALEXA. And smart things is like an afterthought. It's, it rarely works well enough for me to you know, say I'm going all in on this thing. Right now, my biggest problem is, well, the stupid lights that I bought for my eaves, and they've somehow jumped off of smart things, and when you turn them on, they flash. 
they flash, 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 and they stay on. It's because they're not connected to anything, right, with uh, Zigbee. And the second thing is, is my janky garage door sensing system, which is both a tilt sensor and a garage door button uh, Z-Wave relay, which they rarely work. So I need something... I need something more out of the package, out of the box that works with that because what I've thrown together, and I threw this early days. This was early days of me buying these switches. It just does not work anymore. So it's too janky. I need to get that done. So I'm super excited about this. It is supposed to arrive sometime. Um, I think I thought it was like February. I don't know. I haven't looked at the emails lately to see what they're doing. Now, one thing you can do is do the whole iPad on the wall kind of thing, right? I've always wanted to do that and use one of those programs where you can have, you know, just tap it and it's monitored or or whatever. And you've got the little daily screen of your weather and your tiles of that shows you the garage is open or the garage is closed. You know, first of all, my stuff's got to work and then we can kind of think about that. But I can't have one of those setups where the iPad is on this super ugly piece of plastic glued to the wall with a cord coming out of it going to, you know, the outlet way below it. No, it's got, it's got to work and it's got to look, I mean, it's got to look good. It's got to look good, and it has to work 24-7. Now, what I'm thinking about doing is going all in with the Ring products. Can you believe that I own two Ring doorbells and two Ring floodlights, and they all four sit in boxes? I have not installed them yet. Yes, I know. I'm horrible. First of all, I don't want to stand out in the freezing cold. And second of all, I've kind of been busy doing other things, but... uh, my doorbells I have to integrate with the chime. I do not have a transformer, a doorbell transformer. I've just got the wire that going straight from the doorbells to the wiring closet and no transformer involved. So, And it goes into a ring system that sends out the chime to a pair of RCA plugs, which then goes into the amplifiers to the home speaker system. So... That's kind of that's kind of deterring me right now from jumping into the ring doorbell. Although I'm hoping and planning on trying out their product and their security product when it comes out. So I don't know how that's going to work with connected. I may just like try it, look at it, geek out about it, and then you know sell it or give it away or do something. So I haven't decided yet. I'm open. I'm very open right now. Okay, I mentioned to you Treasure Truck. Now, do you know what Treasure Truck is? If you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you probably know about Treasure Truck. Now, what this thing is, is in certain Amazon cities, which Indianapolis and area is a huge Amazon city because we have warehouses here. We have return warehouses in Kentucky, which is very close to here. We have a major, major distribution Uh, warehouse very close to here and we have one of their liquidation systems very close to here so in or out with amazon products is pretty easy and 
for that fact, we also have a new egg warehouse here, which is so cool. It's like I ordered a motherboard today thinking it would be, you know, maybe it'll arrive Tuesday, something like that. And I've already got a FedEx notification that it'll be here tomorrow. And I'm like, wow, I ordered this. Like, it's I'm talking to you on Thursday, Thursday at 2 o'clock, and it's supposed to be here tomorrow, Friday. Crazy, but I love it. So we're talking about Treasure Truck. Treasure Truck is something you have to subscribe to, and it comes via text. So Amazon will text you, text me, when the Treasure Truck has a product and it's going around town. So what they do, they pick a product that they're going to sell on the truck. It's not going to be a TV or anything. It's going to be something, you know, mildly small to medium-sized product. And they will put it on this funky truck and they drive around. They'll generally have three to four like parking lots that they will park in and then you go pick up the product from them. It doesn't come to you. It doesn't come to Amazon Locker. You have to go get it. Now, how this works. Let me just give you the example of my first usage. I've always wanted to try the treasure truck. I've always wanted to buy from it. So you get the text, you tap it, and you go to the item. You see it in the Amazon app, and you can say, yes, I want this. You say, yes, I want this. The next screen will be, where do you want to pick it up at? And it'll give you all these locations. We're going to be at this location between this time and then the next location between this time. So you can see your proximity of where you're going to be and where, how you could possibly pick up this item. Okay, you want the item, you want, you've figured out when you can get it at this location, you tap purchase. If something was to happen and you do not show up and pick up the item, at the end of the day, Amazon will refund your money. You didn't get your item, they're going to give you your money back. Otherwise, they email you a receipt and the receipt has one of those little square funky barcodes and you drive to the location and you show them the barcode, and ba-doop, they give you your item. So, just so happens to be yesterday was Valentine's Day. Now, the CFO and I rarely do things on Valentine's Day. We're kind of curmudgeon in the fact that we don't exchange gifts or things like that. We, don't, we definitely don't go out to eat. We have children. What, are you kidding me? No, we don't go, go mad and go to the fancy-schmancy restaurants and try to... Uh, try to get reservations and all that good stuff. No. So on the treasure truck on Valentine's Day was the perfect answer. I killed all these stones, all the the birds with one stone, rather. So the first one, it was a dozen roses and a box of chocolates. Godiva chocolates, if that matters. It It was small, but it was 22 bucks. I'm thinking... That's not bad. I, I generally would not shop for flowers because the CFO says, you know, the flowers die, so we can use our money in other things more smarter. Okay, that's cool. Gets me off the hook for Valentine's Day. I love it. So 22 bucks, I get a cheap, decent gift that will A, be a surprise, and B, not going to break the bank, and it's going to be nice, Right? And I get to try the truck. So I go pick it up. 
that I'm there a couple minutes early. Of course, the, the, the treasure truck was already there. I see it there. The panels splay open very wide, and it looks like this very carnival-esque looking, says, you know, Amazon treasure truck, and it has the listing of what they have, and it was so super cool. They beeped, they gave me the thing, and it was very nicely wrapped, a dozen roses wrapped tightly in plastic, and that was inside another plastic bag, a long bag, you know, because these were long stem roses, and it had the chocolate, These were it was see-through plastic, had the box of chocolates at the bottom, and it had a little placard-like postcard thing that was all fancy, said treasure truck, and it was really a cool experience. I got a picture of it, I'll try to tweet that out. And it worked really well. And the CFO was like, hey, thank you. You know, so it was, it that worked over and over and over in every way possible. Now, the last but not least method on how this was good is when I purchase things through Amazon, I can depreciate them, right? If it's a hardware product because I have a small business and if I, discuss it on the podcast so I've purchased something and I've used it in the business so I can count that towards expenses and things like that so now that we've talked about it it's now a business expense so there you have it it's it's the gift that just keeps giving and that's the Amazon treasure truck so I think there's a link in the Amazon app So go see if there's a treasure truck near you, okay? Pretty cool. Okay, that was 40 minutes that I I don't even feel like I've been podcasting, right? But 40 minutes of fun. So I'm going to do the mining update, but I want to tell you something real quick before I get into that in case you want to tune out, which you shouldn't. You really should listen. It's fun. Is there is a side effect of this whole mining experience. Now, this is the side effect for me. It may not be a side effect for you or for other miners and whatnot. Is as I as it sits in front of me, I have brand new gear for my Windows PC in that I bought a gaming mouse. I bought a gaming keyboard. And I bought one of those ginormous gaming mouse pads. All of that brand new and which is a byproduct of the mining. And because I've had nicer GPUs come through my house than what I would have bought for myself personally to game with, right? Because I had I had an older GPU. It it wasn't perfect. But it kind of ran the games and, you know, the shaders and the clocks were horrible, but it kind of ran the games. But I would never invest in, you know, new equipment to support my gaming, which now that I have. So that's a positive thing that has come out of this. I know people are really hard on the miners because of all the GPU uh, purchases. And yeah, you know, the guy's buying 20 20 cards at a time, you know, that's that's tough. That's tough. I, I agree. But I just wanted to share that byproduct with you. And now we will move into what I'm calling the mining update. What I'm what I'm doing, what's going on. Let's talk about rigs. 
So right now I can see, I have a camera on the rigs. I can see them. I have the splash top, of course, and I'm trying to remote in onto another one as it blue screened and now is stuck in an eternal Windows update loop, which I just loathe. So it was my fault why it blue screened. I'm trying to do something with a BIOS. So I have my first rig is, and, and I apologize if we've gone over this before uh, last week. It's still up and running, still running very strong. This is the one that I built the wooden frame for. I have the ASRock motherboard, which I've bought a second one. I was thinking, I need, I'm going to buy, I'm going to create a mining rig 2, which will be an AMD only rig to mine nothing but kryptonite based or Monero based coins because AMDs are really good at that and and the uh, NVIDIAs do it. They're just not as efficient with it as the AMD cards are. So I'm building a rig specific, specifically to that. So I thought, why not just get this motherboard? Because it it's rock solid. I, I, I enjoy it. It's got seven GPUs on it. Recently this week, got greedy. And I tried to put that number eight on there, on the M.2 board and cratered everything, right? Lost it all, just freaked out. And I got it all back, and I was like, you know what? I'm not touching this thing again. It, It's good with seven, <laughs> that's where it's going to be. Now, I don't know why it didn't take that last uh, M.2. It, it could be PCIe lanes. I haven't, honestly, I didn't look it up. I didn't Google it. I got it back. Everything's back to normal. Same hash rates with the seven cards as it was prior to trying to sneak in this number eight. So I'm not messing with it. I'm not touching it again. Don't even care. I'm not touching it. We're not going to breathe on it. So it's efficient. It's 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 running. So I, I did buy another one of those motherboards because they're a hundred and ten bucks. They're I mean they're cheap. I mean it's super cheap. I don't. I feel like buying, I say this now, I feel like buying one of the big mining boards that has the multiple uh, X1 PCIe slots is overkill for me right now. So I I may regret saying that, but we're going to get into that on the video cards later. So that rig is up and running fine. Not going to touch it anymore. I've got air flowing over it. It is mining kryptonite. It is actually mining ETN, what I call Electronium. That is what I first got into when I got into this mining craze. And uh, Jim Collison got me into NiceHash. And Trig on on the Reset Forums got me into this OCUK mining pool, which has got, that's what I started with, mining with XMR Stack. For ETN. Now, ETN is an altcoin, and it's when I say altcoin, if you're if you're listening in, it's not a Bitcoin, it's not a Litecoin, it's not an Ethereum, so it's an alternative coin. And I'm not mining it to get rich instantly. I'm mining it to get rich in the future. <laughs> I'm mining it as a hold, which I hope will someday mean something. So I don't have I don't have my ceiling yet. I have several thousand of the things 
and they are pennies per coin. They, they're not worth a whole lot. One day when I was in at CES, they reached 20 cents a coin. That would be kind of nice times several thousand, yes. But the hope is that it will go, you know, even above that. And of course, that's what everybody says, right? I'm holding this XYZ coin and it's going to go to the moon, right? Lambos for everybody. But that's that's kind of what you do is you kind of take a guess, read up, study, see where it's going, see what the plan is for it and hope that you make the right choice. So that's what I'm doing with this rig. Now I also have 550s that I've been playing with and I have a love-hate relationship. That's a couple times I've said that this episode with the AMD RX 500 series. The 550s, whether they're 2 gig, 4 gig, or the 560s on a 4 gig. Now, I have a couple of 550s and they drive me absolutely mad. They work well on one system and they're complete opposites on another system. So I decided that's it. I'm done. I'm I'm gathering a motherboard. I already have the RAM, the processor, and the power supply. And I actually have a case. I'm putting this in a case. I may what I may do is lay the case flat and mount the cards on risers on a couple of boards and just lay them on top of the case. I'll show you a picture later, what what I have in mind. Um, and I want to put all the cards on risers and see and see how that takes me. Because right now, like, I'm having such trouble getting the two cards to A, work together, or work in a box, right? So it just drives me absolutely mad. I mean, bonkers madness, bonkers madness. The cool thing about these 550s is they're cheap, and they put out a nice little hash rate. Now, we're not talking about ASIC hash rates. I'm not talking about 1080 Ti hash rates. I'm talking about 400 hash per second on a Monero-based miner. Possibly more, possibly a little less. Now, you're going to have to look that up to compare it because I don't know how that compares with Ethereum mega hashes, right? I just, I don't know. I don't mind that coin. I really don't know. I know it is efficient with XMR, CC Miner, Claymore Miner, and a couple of others. Works well with CPU mining as well. Works well, excuse me, works well with multiple cards. So that's the plan. Mining Rig 2 to sit down by Mining Rig 1 and be my go-to all-time kryptonite miner. Now, I'm, I'm messing around with different miners. I'm currently well-versed with XMR stack. That's what I started with. So, of course, that's what I most read up on. And that is kind of my miner of choice, right? So I use that one. And we're going to see how this goes. Hopefully, I can get multiple cards to play nicely together because it seems like when I put two cards in one system, they just, they bonk heads and they blue screen the box and it just, it's driving me crazy. Sometimes, just 
put it in one system and it blue screens the box and it again madness absolute madness i did not experience that with my nvidia build by the way the uh, the mining rig that i'm using right now is all nvidia now i can fire up nice hash i can fire up xmr stack i can fire up awesome miner and point that anywhere and that box just takes off and nails it right it's a good it's a good little rig now having said that i am not in the ballpark of 1080 ti's like a lot of you guys are i'm well, i'm small time i got several 1060s and some 1050 ti's that's it i'm not i'm not making as much hay as some of you guys i'm not making as much hay as you know i know i could but i'm happy with what's there I'm leaving it alone. I started down this road this week of Z Classic. Now, I check, excuse me, I check whattomine.com every once in a while, and it always points me back to Z Classic as, hey, this is the most profitable to mine right now. So I, I mine that coin a lot. I mine it on my mining pool hub and I either auto convert that to Ethereum or keep it in Z Classic and convert it that way. Whichever way I feel at the moment is going to give me the most return. A lot of you folks are going to know that and if you don't and you want to discuss this on the forums, please start a thread. We will discuss this. So I found this Z Classic that is, I need to, this is going to be hard to explain. And because honestly, I probably don't know how to explain it. I don't know all the ins and outs, but a Z Classic fork to another coin called Bitcoin Private. So they didn't have enough money to do this and they can't take money from people because that would be illegal with Securities and Exchange Commission. So they're taking mining donations instead. So if you point your miner to a certain Z Classic pool and mine for them, they will in turn create Bitcoin Private for you. Now this Bitcoin Private is honestly supposed to take off. It is, there's, of course, everybody says that, right? To the moon. But people are saying that this is going to be a good fork. This is going to be a good split. So anything that you mine for this fund is supposed to give you a decent return once Bitcoin private becomes a coin monetized and on exchanges. It is supposed to have some decent value. Now, in turn for mining for them, because you're getting nothing, right? You're getting nothing at that moment. You will get Bitcoin private when the fork happens, and that's at the end of February, I think the 28th. They're going to give you, I think right now there's a bonus system of like 25%. So if you went one-to-one, you mine one Z Classic and you would get 1.25 of Bitcoin private or something like that. There is a post in the Reset Forums where I announced this, I showed it, and you can read up all about it if you want to. It's fairly easy to point all your gear towards it, and I link to a video on YouTube showing you how to set up Awesome Miner to this Z Classic fund. I think Jim Collison jumped over on it. And so we'll definitely hear back from him to see 
if the Bitcoin private materializes as a good investment, right? So I did it. I what I did it maybe for 24 hours. It was you can't mine anything in 24 hours. It's it's a week or nothing, right? But I at least have this very small fraction of Bitcoin, Bitcoin private, and we'll see if it goes to the moon. I'm going to kick myself for not doing it. But the reason I got off of it is not because I don't believe in it. It's because I wanted to switch over to Electronium again, ETN, and I wanted to get going as soon as possible. I've been researching pools, mining pools in which to join for a long time, and I thought, now is the time. So we originally, the OC UK mining pool got off of ETN because the difficulty went through the roof. So the difficulty in mining the coin and mining blocks skyrocketed, meaning it's harder to get. You need a lot of horsepower, a lot of GPUs pointed towards it in order to get a return. And the mining pool that I was in just didn't have that horsepower. So we were kind of just spinning our wheels in in wet mud, right? We were going nowhere. So the pool moved to different types of kryptonite or Monero-based coins, which we could mine easily. These guys are very heavy AMD users. So off we went. Now, I did mine some coins with them. We mined KRB. We mined MSR. We mined Sumo coin for, I think, a day before everybody decided to get off of that. Right now, they're on MSR, which is only on like two exchanges. But it is on an exchange, uh, South X Change. It is on that one in which you can convert that into U.S. dollars and send it to your PayPal account. So that was pretty nice. However, when I first started mining MSR, it was at $0.14 a coin, and it has since dropped down to $0.07. I think it's rebounded back to 10 but it took a dip with the market as well. And at $0.07, it's not worth it. So I am holding some of it. I did convert some send it over to PayPal. I wanted to see what the uh, fees were and all that kind of good stuff. I don't remember right offhand, but it actually, it wasn't that bad. If I remember correctly, it wasn't that bad. But it's a small time coin and I think you need to have a lot of horsepower in order to be, to make that worth its while. Now, having said that, Bitcoin is back over 10,000. So, NiceHash is probably getting a little bit more business and that always makes me think maybe I should have more Bitcoin. So I'm thinking about that too, but I'm on this ETN train because it is supposed to have announcements. These guys, maybe you should go out and read about it. Read about Electronium. These guys are going to be at Mobile World Congress because their claim to fame is the Electronium app. I know it's on Android. I don't know if it's on iOS, but it's on Android and it is supposed to be able to mine from the app. I don't think it's a very good miner, but that's, I think, intriguing news that would hopefully push this coin higher and higher, right? Because that's what you want. You want someone famous to tweet about it. You want some type of news to grab hold of it 
and skyrocket the coin. Get people buying, 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 buying. Push that price up. So be ready, you know, to take advantage of that coin. So that's kind of where I sit with it, and that's why I'm into that coin. I told you I would share you, share with you what I'm mining, and I hold everything all over the place. I have many exchanges with coin, and I'm at the moment I'm trying to consolidate and wallet these things up and get them off of exchanges. I've pulled my ETN off of an exchange. It's into a wallet, and I'm going to paper wallet that soon. I'm trying to understand that process a little more before I do it. And that's where I stand. I have a little bit of everything. Tron, Ripple, MSR, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Z Classic, Electronium. I have too much. I kind of went crazy for a little while, but... I think a lot of people have. I'm speculating on a lot of those coins. So, all right, hard drive mining. If you've listened to bit uh, to Jim Collison, you know that he is doubling down on burst burst coin mining. Now, hard drive mining. I tried to explain this last episode, and I still don't think I can explain it. But you take your hard drive and you plot it. As far as I know, plotting is it's writing to the entire drive or how much you tell it to to take over. It's plotting that drive. I'm just thinking it's just kind of like when you used to defrag a hard drive, right? And it would put all of those little squares or all those little dots on your screen. And then when it finished one, it would put it green, right? When all the little blocks were aligned and all your def- or your files were defragmented. That's what I think of when it creates the plots on a hard drive. So you have to do that first. You plot your drive and then you turn the miner on with that plotted drive and that's, how, that's what it uses to mine burst coin. Now, if you're lost, so am I. I have no idea how it works. Some say it's luck-based. It's like a lottery. The more storage you have would be the more lottery tickets you own. So when you turn it loose, it scans your plots looking for the block. And if you win, you win. And you get portions of the coins and there's deadlines involved. And it's, it's, it's crazy. It really is. So... Why am I doing that? Why, why would you even consider that, Dave? You have no clue what you're doing and you have no idea what the return is. Well, yeah, I kind of don't. I, I'll agree with you. The thing is, is I had a stack. I'm looking back to my closet right now. I had a stack of hard drives bigger than a Domino's pizza box stack at the Domino's pizza store, right? Thousands, thousands tons of hard drives, thousands, tons of hard drives doing nothing doing nothing. Three, four terabyte, two, a lot of two terabyte hard drives. So I plotted some up and I threw them on a burst pool and I've made burst coin. It's been fairly regular. Every seven to, I would say 10 days, spits out some burst coin. Now, the problem, the problem is, let's go look at the value. Burst coin on coinmarketcap.com today is 0.034 cents per burst coin. So three cents, three cents a coin. 
So yeah, if you have a couple of thousand, you've got a couple of dollars. That's it. But this thing used to be back when it was like when I got into it, why would you even get into it if it's three cents a coin? It used to be 10 cents a coin. So it can go back to 10 cents a coin. It's been there. It can go back, right? It's actually been there twice. In the summertime when you had the big altcoin spike, it was up quite a bit. And in, in January when you had the altcoin spike, it was up quite a bit. So right now it's at three cents. It was funny when I got paid out a couple of days ago. So I have a spreadsheet on how many burst coins I own, what it's worth at that time. And it was worth X amount. And I got paid another like 130 burst coins and it transferred over to my account. And it was actually only worth a couple of pennies more than what I held a month ago. That's because the market, you know, went down. Even though I had more, it was only worth a little bit more. So it was almost worth less than what I owned, you know, prior. But that's kind of the way it is. The cool thing about burst mining is once you get the drives plotted, it's pretty easy. It's pretty hands-off. Now, some folks will tell you that speed is involved. Some folks will tell you a CPU with your burst is with your burst hard drives is is a handy thing to have to increase the speed of looking through the hard drives for said block, right? I don't I do not know how to advise you on this. I know that Jim Collison and I want to do a podcast and we want to dig in super deep and get into that and we will do that soon, but I right now I'm I'm kind of going along with it because Jim got me into it and I thought it was fun. I built a box. I had all the parts. I didn't buy a single thing. Now, since starting that, I have bought two external drives in order to increase my whatever bursting. I have bought two external drives. So I did put out some money. That's probably $300 worth of purchases because it's $150 per 8 terabyte external drive. Externals work good, and that's what everybody uses. So the jury is still out. If you have a lot of hard drives sitting around and you have a box sitting around, hey, we might be able to burst together. So I promise you we'll talk more about that. Today, I told you I ordered a, a motherboard. Today, I went to Fry's. And I've been I've been searching fries quite for quite some time. They never have any good video cards out. So they have they have that little video card that I've been buying, the RX five fifty. It's a four gig card. It'll mine almost anything. It just doesn't mine like the big dogs, right? But it doesn't have a big dog price tag. The problem is it takes up a spot, right? In your motherboard. It takes up a spot where Another card could probably double its hash rate. It would double its power draw too, but it only takes one spot. So where you would need two spots to match the big dog card. So that, But that's okay. As long as your expectations, you know what you're getting into, right? So I've heard that if you're going to do a build, you might be able to get a video card for cheaper. Not cheaper, but maybe they'll cut you a deal. Now, Fry's is hiding their cards. 
So I'm throwing fries under the bus here, and I'm sure a lot of other folks are doing it too. They're putting the cards behind the behind the desk. I One guy told me when I was there, we were talking about a build. I was talking about a Fortnite uh, gaming build, and they said they had a 1080 Ti in the back. Why? I guess they were waiting for an approved gamer to come in and buy the card, right? So... I, did, I didn't push the subject. I didn't want a TN82i. It's too daggum expensive. But what I wanted today was an RX 550, which is currently priced at Fry's for $189. This card is a $90 card one year ago and currently can be had for anywhere from $100 to $140 online. <clears throat> you just kind of have to dig around and wait on it, right? So I have my motherboard in hand. I have some cables in hand or something. Um, and I, I grab the nearest manager in the, in the video card aisle. <clears throat> and I say, I'm doing a Fortnite build. And I would like to buy this video card. However, I know it is, it is marked up. Is there any way that you could work on the price for me? Because I'm also buying other parts for you from you. I was quickly code, nope. That's what video cards cost. And I said, okay. Handed him the motherboard and the video card. I said, I'll buy it online. I I was trying not to be, you know, I was trying not to be a butt. But I kind of was. I mean, he had a chance to sell me that video card, still make a profit, and sell a motherboard, and sell some cabling, all of which I was going to probably mine with and not game with. But... I, I could have used that card to, my, to game with because I do need a gaming card in my PC at the moment because I stole it to mine with. <clears throat> my point is, he had a chance to make that sale and he did not. And the online gaming blogs and, and whatnot are telling you, go tell them you're doing a build, buy a motherboard, and you'll get, um, you'll get a break on the card. Not at the local fries that I shop at. You will not. So, just FYI, I'm not mad. But I did, uh, I did go ahead and buy a card and a motherboard from somewhere else. I'm, hey, you could have had a sale, and I bought a stick of RAM. Fries, you could have had a sale. And in the end, I don't know if they really care, because they're the ones making the money, not NVIDIA. NVIDIA's not getting the marked-up revenue. The stores are. So... Yes, they missed out on a card, which, by the way, is not selling at Fry's. Not selling at all. All right, we need to get out of here. I'm losing my voice. What I want to talk about is we're coming up on that, I don't know, what this, this time period where NVIDIA is leaking information about the new GPU line and the other, the old GPUs are just astronomically priced. And I'm discussing it on the reset forums and I've put deal links out to AMD cards. I've put deal links out on Nvidia cards and I will not stop doing that. However, I think we're in a holding period right now where I don't know if I can recommend you buying cards. I'm still going to buy a couple of these little five fifties in order to kind of finish out my rig, but I do believe that they will trend downwards in maybe March and April when NVIDIA comes out with their new series of cards. 
Now, I don't know what they're going to do to combat the miners. I know they want to try something. I hope they don't do it like software-wise or, or something like that. I think that they should embrace the miners. <clears throat> I don't know if they've somehow they could work the cards to be good for gaming and not for mining. I don't know. Maybe make a miner card and let everybody fight for those and let the poor gamers buy some 1070s and some 1080s, right? I don't know what they're going to do. I just know that the demand is still there and everybody's blaming the miners for buying all the cards. And yes, we, we need the gamers to have to be able to upgrade and get cards. So it's a conundrum on what to do. But I think my recommendation right now is to sit tight. Do not overpay for cards. Cards, 1060s, like the 3 gig 1060s that used to be 189 I purchased at 219 and are now literally 300 to $350. I think we need to put a... I, I need to tell you, don't buy those cards. I think that you're going to overpay right now. If you got, if you just absolutely had had to have one, I would not pay over three hundred dollars for a ten sixty. And I, I just can't see buying those cards right now. I really can't. But I don't want to discourage anybody from getting in because I do think this will play itself out. I don't know if in the near term, but. I, I, let's put a hold on it right now. I mean, granted, I could be telling you the wrong advice and prices are going to go up, but I, I don't think so. I, I think that it is the pushback is already starting and you can get this, you can get them cheaper. I would, I would look, you have to look everywhere. And the biggest thing that I think you can do is look on eBay, not buying used stuff, buying new stuff on eBay from folks like Newegg. Newegg throws new cards out there all the time. Granted, they're marked up, but they're not as much as what like Fry's and Best Buy will have them. So you just have to stay vigilant on that. But let's put a hold on the buying of the video cards for right now. If you want to discuss it, please throw the link out to the video card in the, in the reset forums, and we can discuss it. We'll, we'll take a look where it's at, B&H, Newegg, Amazon, Best Buy, Micro Center, wherever you can find them, let's we'll look at them and we'll discuss it. We, you and I and the rest of the crowd, we'll discuss it and see if it's worth it. I just I just want us to make good decisions and smart decisions and but I still want us to have fun and be able to build things and game and mine together. So, having said that, I want you in the forums. If you listen to the podcast and you've not joined the reset forums, you really need to Go out. You can go to resetforums.com or homeservershow.com. Join those forums and please converse with us. If you have not signed up for JSE Coin, please do so. It gives me speculative coin, which I every month that goes by, I don't think that this is going to uh, mean anything. But looking at my coin tally go up gives me a gives me a jolly. How about that? So reset.fm slash coin sign up for that and i'll get a little bonus you get a little bonus and you can mine for more in your own web browser that's all you do that helps stars and reviews on itunes certainly helps and of course 
Patreon. Patreon.com slash David McCabe. That's how you can support paying the bills for the server, for reset, paying for reset forms, and paying the bills to host the Reset FM files. I appreciate you listening all the way. Share this. Share it on Facebook or something. That also helps. That gets the word out. Take care, and we'll see you in those Reset forums. Goodbye. This has been Reset. It can be found at reset.fm or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash David McCabe. Follow on Twitter at McCabe.io, and you can discuss this episode and more on Reset Forums, resetforums.com. Intro and outro music is by Darylee. Find it at soundcloud.com, Darylee Music. That's D-E-R-L-E-E Music. Support of this podcast can be done at Patreon, patreon.com slash David McCabe. There's also some shopping links at resetforums.com if you want to use those. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you next week on Reset.